And then we remember uh, Jesus' baptism. All four counts of the, uh, all four, excuse me, all four Gospels have the baptism of Jesus in it. And they record it in different, different ways. And today we'll read from Matthew's encounter of Jesus' baptism. We'll read from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Uh, you can may find it on your pew Bible. It's on page 2 in the New Testament section. I invite you now to listen to God's word. And then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and enlightening on him, and a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. During World War II, when the most urgent matters of the war um, needed attention, Prime Minister Winston Churchill would sometimes visit the United States to, uh, to address Congress and meet with President Franklin Roosevelt in the White House. And Churchill had this odd habit of practicing his speeches in front of a mirror in the nude. And one evening, Roosevelt wheeled around the corner of the White House guest suite, and there's Churchill in front of a mirror, completely naked, naked practicing his, his speech. Roosevelt caught his breath and said, My apologies, Prime Minister. I didn't mean to interrupt. Turn around, Churchill, with his hands wide open, uh, faced Roosevelt and said, ah, On the contrary, the Prime Minister of England has nothing to hide from the President of the United States. Throughout all of Scripture, God never hides God's self from us. This is seen in all four baptismal accounts, especially in Matthew's. According to Matthew, in our text this morning, at Jesus' baptism, Jesus came out of that river fresh from John's baptismal act, and the heavens opened to him, and they saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and a voice from heaven named him, saying, This is my Son, the Beloved. The word this makes Matthew's account unique to all of the four Gospels. In John's gospel, John the Baptist declares Jesus as the Son of God. In Mark and in Luke's gospels, a voice from heaven comes down and says, You are my Son, the Beloved. As if God is speaking directly to Jesus and no one else. But in Matthew's gospel, the voice from heaven begins, with the sentence, begins the sentence with the word, This. God hides nothing, proclaiming to the world, proclaiming to everyone that can hear, this is my child, who I name beloved. His name was Stan. 
Stan's dad was my New Testament professor in seminary. On the day of Stan's baptism, his dad, my professor, hid nothing from the congregation, shocking the congregation, really, as he preached. With his infant son there on the front row, Dr. Saunders points to his son and says to the congregation, you may not realize it, but my son is going to die today. They're talking about a tension graph. Everyone sat up in their seats. Oh, he continued, he's going to be brought back to life. It will happen so fast, you won't even be able to see it. You won't even know what happened. But be very sure, he will cease to exist under the powers of the world. And for the rest of his life, be transformed to a new and different kind of existence. Baptism is our death. And this death, uh, believe it or not, is a gift of God's grace. In our baptism, we are dying to our old identity. The death we talk about in our baptism is our sin and to the sin of the world. This doesn't mean now that we'll never sin again. What this means is that sin cannot claim us. Sin is not our identity. And this is why in our tradition we will baptize infants. In their baptism, parents are hiding nothing from their theology. What they are saying out loud, what the church is saying out loud, is that no matter what this child believes, where this child heads in life, no matter what their successes are or all their failures, this child's identity is not their sin. It's not even their worldly successes. Instead, their identity is a child of God. And by God, they are named beloved. It's the word this in Matthew's gospel that draws our attention to several things going on at once in the scriptures. Is God's affirmation of Jesus, this fledging carpenter, and on the ministry of the healing and teaching and justice-seeking on which he is about to embark. And for all the people present that day, they would have heard echoes of Psalm 2. Psalm 2 was a royal psalm. It read on the cases of coronation. In other words, on baptism day, those around him began to realize that Jesus is not just some ordinary carpenter. This is my son. Those words of God is a foreshadow of what is to come. Similar words are heard in Jesus' transformation. Right there in the middle of Jesus' ministry, this is my son, God says, listen to him. And then this is the son of God is said again. On the cross, this time not by God, but by a Roman soldier. As Jesus lets out that God-forsaking cry on the cross. But it's the cross. It's the cross that reminds us that death is not the victor. That through Jesus Christ, death is the beginning. The death of our baptism is our beginning where we are named, drenched, and told 
who and whose we are. And whether we see a dove or hear a heavenly voice, at baptism, we are launched on a journey that takes our whole life to live like Jesus lived and to care about what Jesus cared about. Some kids get baptized and know this. Whether they know it or not, they know it. Her name was Helen. Helen grew up in our tradition where most children were baptized at the age of 13. It was a tradition where the pastor dunked the person getting baptized fully in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, fully three times they go completely underwater. A few summers before, Helen's cousin had drowned in a lake. Her parents, petrified that this would happen to Helen again, they would not allow her to go swimming in a lake or pool. As you can imagine, this scared Helen as well. It was the Sunday of her baptism. Not only her baptism, but every 13-year-old at that church's baptism. And Helen was scared. She was scared to think that she would basically have to climb into a pool, be dunked by a man. And what would happen when she went underwater? Would she drown? What happens if she gets water up her nose? What if she has a panic attack? All this is racing through this 13-year-old's mind. As the, the kids line up to get baptized, she raises her hand and says, I'll go first and jumps to the very beginning line just to get it over with. But when the pastor calls her over, she can't move. She looks at her friend Mary behind her and says, you go. So Mary goes. And then it's her turn again. She can't do it. Billy, you go. So Billy goes. Then the next kid, then the next kid, then the next kid, until there are no more 13-year-old kids left in the entire church. As she looked in the front row, she sees her sister, her mom, and her aunt. Her aunt gave her one of the stairs. You better go now. If you know what's good for you, this 13-year-old kid takes a deep breath and begins to take a step, each step harder and harder. She took that breath at the very beginning. It was about 10 feet from the time she took that breath to the time she got into the pool. As soon as she got into the pool, she was almost out of breath before she knows that the pastor grabs her and says, in the name of the Father, she's completely on the water, almost out of breath, comes up out of water and says, <gasps> grasping for air. Her sister laughs. Her aunt, mortified. Everyone else in the church didn't know what to do. Was this funny? Was it mortifying? Was that a fateful, appropriate response that each of us has to die to live? Helen recognized her new identity. She recognized something in that water of where Jesus was headed. If our call is to live and to care about all the things that Jesus lived for and cared about, that's a high, hard challenge that God never hides from us. This is the beginning and not a destination. His name was Matt. About four months after the shootings of Columbine, 
high school in a suburb in Denver in 1999, a friend of and colleague of mine had recounted, I noticed this young man in his late 20s who began attending worship with some regularity. Inevitably, he'd come in just as the service was beginning, sit near the, the side, the bank of the back of the sanctuary, and always be quite attentive and always depart as soon as the service ended. One Sunday, when he attended the early service, coming straight from work and dressed differently, I found out that Matt was a firefighter. He apologized in his semi-firefighter attire, and I assured him that it was okay. He could wear whatever he wanted to to church. It was just fine. And that led him to introduce himself to me. And Matt worked at a station not far from the church in downtown Denver, and he told me that except for a ra- random wedding or funeral, he had really never been to church much his entire life. Then that led to another conversation a couple weeks later as he uncharacteristically just started lingering around after worship. It was the baptism of the Lord's Sunday. He asked about baptism. What was it? Why was it? What does it mean? He, he laughed at that. As someone who worked with a fire hose, he often felt like he got baptized every single day of his life. The conversation then turned to Caliban about being the first responder to that tragedy, about all he saw that day, how he had gone into that library after it was all over and helped transport the bodies of the victims. It made me think, he said, what was life all about? What was he doing? How was he living? About some of the choices that he had made and the priorities that he had embraced that now just seemed off somehow. When Matt was baptized in worship a few weeks later, it was like the whole church heard his name, calling him into a deeper identity, introducing him to a deeper purpose that he had lived until that very moment. This was no destination for Matt. It was a start. This is the beginning. Her name was Sophia. She attended um, that same congregation in Denver. She had a large extended family who all had come from Lebanon and settled in Denver a decade before. They owned a Lebanese restaurant. It was a highlight for the whole congregation every time a newborn in that family was baptized because they always brought huge plates of baklava, enough for the whole congregation to celebrate the baptism because of the large family with lots of sons and daughters and aunts and uncles and cousins. It seemed like they were having baklava like every other month. And the only time they didn't have baklava was a, from a family baptism was one of the most memorable, memorable baptisms the church had ever been a part of. When Sophia was born, the doctors told the family that she probably wouldn't survive. She was hospitalized for one week, then two, then a month, all in the ICU. And the prognosis continued to be grim, so with little hope of any development, and no real hope of any quality of life. And one of those grueling 
litanies of modern day life, this family took shifts, being with Sophia, never leaving her side, never giving up hope, yet slowly coming to terms where things were headed. It was in that family asked one day about baptism. Could Sophia be baptized? Of course she could. In our tradition, baptisms are always done at church. In a regular worship service with everyone in the church surrounding the person being baptized, hiding nothing, making vows of promise to God, and the person being baptized, it's only in those extreme situations that, er that we ever baptize in a semi-private way. We've done it here before, and we'll do it again when needed. Sophia's case, this is one of those extreme situations. At the last minute, though, everything changed. After 10 months of agony, the doctors told the family that Sophia was stable enough to go home, if not get better, at least to live her last few weeks outside this cold hospital confines. So the family decides instead of baptizing the hospital, Sophia will be baptized at church. Uh, but there was a problem. Risk of infection were so great that they had to be very careful. And she was also in this modified wheelchair. And so with machines hooked up to her, that would be hard for her to move around. As it was finally worked out, Sophia was discharged from the Children's Hospital in Denver on Easter morning at 7 a.m. The ambulance, taking her home, made a detour and stopping at the church. And before the Easter service was poised to begin, and where all the elders of session dressed in hospital gowns and gloves and hats welcomed Sophia, gathering to represent the whole congregation. Surrounding her in a circle of love and faith and hope, Sophia was baptized in the name of our Creator and our Redeemer in the name of the one who sustains in all times and all places. You could be forgiven. We all could be forgiven for thinking that this event was a destination. Accumulation after a long journey. At least they say they're able to baptize Sophia. But I'm here to tell you, have you ever been in a baptism like that? As that session and the family alike departed, this was no destination. This was a beginning. She was named as a God's beloved. All who gathered saw so clearly her identity as God's own. Hard as that journey had been for them in that very moment, it was Easter. In that moment, Jesus was present, and in that during promises of God was so thick that you could taste it. Title of the sermon is named Six Baptisms. Now, if you keep in score, we've talked about five. There's Jesus' baptism where the voice from heaven came and said, This is my son. Stan and his dad saying that Stan will die right there before everyone's eyes. But don't worry, he'll come back to life. Helen, in her fear of water, Matt, the, the firefighter who every single day was drenched in water. And Sophia, in her wheelchair early on that Easter day. Which leads us 
to the sixth baptism. Your baptism. Your baptism. You, with God hiding nothing back, naming you beloved. You, being called to live as Jesus lived and to care about what Jesus cared about. You receiving your identity as God's child, God's ambassador, God's partner, God's agent of hope, God's agent of justice and love and peace. Your baptism. Whether it was 50 years ago, will be next week, or sometime in the future, your baptism is not a destination. It's how you embark on your life with God, held in God's love, led into the world to make a difference by that same spirit that landed on Jesus on that wet wonderful day so long ago. That from this day forth and forever, you, 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 you will never have to hide from your life purpose. Living the way Jesus lived, in caring about what Jesus cared about. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.